0: Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It is, I didn't write it down, but I know it's 5 July. 5 July, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. Got something to read before we get started. It is Sunday, 5 July, 2020. The governor of California has mandated that there is to be no singing in churches. This same governor has allowed open and loud and violent protests to be held without any penalty being imposed against these vile people. And so, residents of California, you have a choice today. You have the constitutional right to your religious practice. You have a precedent set by your own governor to allow open and boisterous noise to emanate from the vocal cords of ungodly thugs. Therefore, it is not only your constitutional right to disobey this unholy edict, it is also your moral and Christian responsibility to openly defy it. Morally, Because if you fail to do so, you are agreeing that his allowance of these socialist, fascist, and communist miscreants to act as they do, while you constrain yourselves, is an acceptable premise. As Christians, if you allow your voices to the Lord to be silenced, you are agreeing that praising him, your creator, is of less value than what you agreed to in the previous premise. It is acceptable to call for violence against the nation in which you live, but it is not acceptable to call forth the honor of the one who established this nation in the first place. Today, you must decide where you stand, for the tyranny of an ungodly governor or for the glory of the Lord God. Today, don't just sing to the Lord, shout to him. Stand for your rights and honor the Lord your God. As it says in Psalm 98, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, sing with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord the King. I am Charlie Garrett of the Superior Word Church in Sarasota, Florida. Our church will pray for you and stand with you as you decide to do what is right in this instance to the glory of God. I have a couple birthday notes I'd like to make. One of them is my friend in Washington State, John. His birthday was yesterday. Yes, the 4th of July. And then happy birthday to Richard Terry of Zero Hour Prophetic Ministry. His birthday is today. A couple of my friends. If you have any podcasts, if you go onto the podcast list and you see any podcasts are missing, please email me and I will let the web guy know. He's concerned about that. I do believe we have them all up, every sermon, every prophecy update, etc. But let me know. Our first category, as always, is Israel. And from the Times of Israel, Netanyahu indicates delay in annexation date after meeting with U.S. envoys. I knew this was going to happen. I knew that they would cave. We'll see if they actually do something in the next 30 days or 60 days or ever. But uh, at this point, it looks like uh, Netanyahu is backed off from doing any annexing. From Israel Hayom, Nefesh ben Nefesh signs deal with El Al for 14 group Aliyah flights. The NGO Nefesh B'Nefesh, which facilitates immigration to Israel from North America and the United Kingdom, announced that it had signed a contract with LL Airlines for 14 Group Alia flights from New York to Tel Aviv over the course of the next three months. The announcement comes in the wake of an unprecedented spike in interest from North American Jews to move to Israel. This is a really important thing we're seeing with Nefesh Bay Nefesh reporting its highest number of applications in May since the organization's founding in 2002. During the first half of June, more than 900 applications for Aliyah were submitted to Nefesh Bay Nefesh as compared with the entire month of June last year, when only 399 applications were submitted. These people are sick of New York, they're sick of the Democrats that are ruining their lives there, and they want out. Many of those making the move said that the coronavirus crisis helped prompt a decision they long had in the making, especially those from countries hard hit by the pandemic. From the Aljamainer, security experts says massive explosion near Tehran was a result of Israeli cyber attack. A huge explosion that struck just outside Tehran last week was the result of an Israeli cyber attack, a U.S.-based security expert said. The explosion occurred at the Kojer military site east of Tehran, which was used for weapons manufacturing. According to Reuters, it was also a nuclear weapons research facility in the past. Theodore Karasek, a senior advisor at Gulf States Analytics, said Although military and defense industry accidents do occur in Iran, the consensus appears to be a cyber strike by Israel against Iran. The ongoing cyber war between Iran and Israel is not new, he said, noting an April cyber attack on Israel's water system, widely attributed to Iran, followed by a much bigger retaliatory attack that temporarily shut down a major Iranian port. To be sure, the timing of the explosion is important given continued Iranian mischief in the region, he added. As these tensions will probably grow in the coming months, the tit-for-tat nature of cyber war is part of a troubled security landscape." The Khosur event is a continuation of the Stuxnet virus used 10 years ago to disrupt and deter Tehran's military industry, he said. The Iranian defense ministry said the blast was caused by an explosion in an industrial gas tank in a civilian area of Parchin. According to Iranian government spokespeople, the blast caused no casualties. Since then, there have been three more blasts in Iran. I read a report from Kuwaiti news that said they believe that a F-35 actually went over there and did the bombing and it was not a cyber attack. So there are some uh, questions about what's going on here, but certainly they did not have three industrial accidents in one month. This was Israeli, whether it was a F-35 or whether it was actually a cyber attack. If it was an F-35 attack, it's pretty sure that Israel had to fly through Saudi airspace to do it and they would never admit that either way, the Saudis or the Israelis. So we need to just kind of uh, keep in mind that uh, things could devolve very quickly over there if anything like that is found out. But it's interesting to speculate on. From Christian News Today. We have Isaac Nemugira in Uganda. He's uh, got all of the school buildings done. He's got the roofs up. He's got the walls in. Everything is done with the school buildings. And that is something that's taken about three years to accomplish. It's all done now. And I want to thank everybody that gave to that. He now has a budget to fill out the schools. And that includes chairs. It includes, um, you know, chalkboards. It includes uh, toilets and all kinds of other things that need to be in place for the children to actually attend there it's a lot of money, and I would ask that if anybody has given in the past and is able to give now, that would be really wonderful. Uh, You can email me, and I will set you up with how to contact Isaac. This school is really close to being done, and uh, it's just going to take faithful people saying, I want those children to be educated. Christ will be a part of that education, and it will be something that will help the entire community over there. Uh, So, Uh, Just let me know. And then I have another thing in Kenya, which I'll talk about in a week or two as well. But for right now, just if you're interested in helping that school project in Uganda, they need a great deal to get it finished and those children in school. So let me know. From the Epic Times federal judge bars pandemic capacity restrictions on new york religious gatherings a federal judge has blocked new york state from enforcing its pandemic restrictions on religious gatherings saying that the capacity caps imposed on religious institutions were not applied equally to secular activity sounds just like california U.S. District Judge Gary Sharp granted a preliminary injunction that barred Governor Cuomo, New York City Mayor de Blasio, and Attorney General James from enforcing the state's 25% indoor capacity cap on religious institutions in phase two of the reopening process when other types of gatherings, such as some retail stores and salons, enjoy a limit of 50% capacity. He said that these non-essential businesses that enjoy the 50% cap are not justifiably different than houses of worship. The order gives the plaintiffs two Catholic priests and three Orthodox Jewish congregants and other people of faith, the ability to congregate at indoor places of worship at 50%, capacity provided they follow social distancing, blah, blah, blah. The state was also blocked from enforcing any limitation for outdoor gatherings, but it is not immediately clear whether that only applies to religious gatherings. So there you go. Somebody has a right mind in that state to do this. I would like to remind you that religious meetings are protected by the First Amendment of the United States of America, opening businesses are not. Okay. Mail online. Britain's Archbishop of Canterbury says church must think again about portraying Jesus as white. I mean, you talk about something that is highly unimportant to talk about in the world right now. That is it. I go to black churches and you know, they have black Jesus on the wall. If you go to Asia, guess what they look like? My grandmother was born and raised in China. And all of the depictions that she brought back, which are now hanging on my wall, have Asians, you know, as the good Samaritan. And there's Jesus in an Asian look. I mean, he is the Christ of the nations. He's the Messiah of Israel. He is the Christ of the nations. When you close your eyes and you think about a people group, it's usually the people group that you are associated with. And so that's what people do. All right, this is really a stupid thing, and the fact that they're even bringing this up shows that they have no valid purpose anymore in the Church of England. From Breitbart, UN Chief Guterres. I put this in here because it's biblical, even though it's not a Christian article, UN Chief Guterres calls for one supreme body of global governance, The world needs an overarching level of multilateral governance that can sideline problematic national interests, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said, as he lamented existing UN instruments such as the Security Council. They have teeth, but show little or no appetite to bite. As the world body commemorates the 75th anniversary of the adoption of the UN Charter, the founding instrument of the globalist organization, Guterres says there is a need to reimagine the way nations cooperate. We need a networked multilateralism bringing together the UN system, regional organizations, internal financial institutions, and others. And we need an inclusive multilateralism drawing on the indispensable contributions of civil society, business, sites, cities, regions, and in particular with greater weight given to the voices of youth. Well, that's a mistake Guru said at a virtual press conference He claimed in the 21st century, governments are no longer the only political and power entity. We need an effective multilateralism that can function as an instrument of global governance where it is needed. In other words, he's calling for anarchy. That's what he's calling for. Don't... don't Try the Bible. Yeah, try the Bible. It's international. It's international. It's worked for 2,000 years. From the Christian Post, most U.S. Christians uncomfortable with returning to church, says a survey... The American Enterprise Institute conducted a poll of 3,504 Americans from late May to early June, asking them about their comfort levels on returning to church. Among respondents, 64% said they were either somewhat uncomfortable or very uncomfortable with returning to in-person church services. People are equivocating and uncertain about whether they feel comfortable attending we're seeing among lay people a significant amount of discomfort in going back to formal in-person religious practices. While most of the overall sample were uncomfortable, the AEI survey found considerable variance in responses by racial and religious classification. White Evangelical Protestants were the most comfortable with attending services, with 61% saying they were either very comfortable or somewhat comfortable with attending. By contrast, only 26% of Hispanic Catholic respondents said they were either very comfortable or somewhat comfortable. Among black Protestants, 42%, way above the Hispanics, said they were very uncomfortable with attending, which was the same percentage for respondents who identified as major non-Christian religions. Respondents who identified as unaffiliated were the most likely to say they would be very uncomfortable at 66%, with only 8% of the group saying they would be very comfortable. In response to the spread of the coronavirus, the vast majority of churches in the U.S. opted to shut their doors, with most moving their worship to exclusively online services. That didn't happen at the Superior Word. We never closed once, and we continue to operate well. As states have begun to reopen, Many churches have done the same thing, often with safety measures, including spacing out attendees, barring physical contact, and wearing face masks. There's face masks all over here. I, no, I don't see any. Anyway, uh, many churches have remained closed as a precaution after a couple of churches that reopened have found themselves reclosing amid new COVID-19 cases emerging among attendees. If that happens here, it happens. I'm not going to have my life dictated by this. PCUSA clerk Herbert Nelson, head of the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States, recently urged caution with reopening. Now, these, if you follow the pattern, the people that don't hold to biblical Christianity are the ones that are the most scared. The PCUSA is a church in name only. They're not even a valid church at all, but they're scared to death. And he's saying that we need to not open it. This guy gets his retirement one way or another. They've got funds for these people. He can sit at home, watch TV all day, and do absolutely nothing, which he does throughout the week anyway, and it doesn't matter. So there you go. It's probably better the PCUA attendees don't attend. They're probably going to find a better avenue attending online in a video posted online earlier this month nelson said that while worship is important churches should take our time and not rush into reopening for in-person services allow us to take this slowly and to recognize in all things that we are to be the persons who help to build the abundant life that individuals seek on this side of heaven I don't care about this life at all. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm here. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to type my sermons every Monday. I'm going to do what I do every Tuesday. Seven days a week I work from, I get up at 345 and I start at four o'clock working and I work till usually after six o'clock, seven days a week. Okay. Fridays, I get a little time sometimes, but I'm here to do my job. But my goal is to be with Jesus Christ. I don't care about abundant life here at all. What I care about is getting the word of God out every single day to people, counseling them if they need help, and we'll worry about the things of this life in that perspective, and we'll consider the things of God coming soon to a rapture near you. Okay. Oh, Islam today. Zero Hedge. Russian mercenaries have entered Libya's largest oil field to block Output. Man, Libya is just going through all kinds of things here, and that was not unexpected. We've been talking about it for years and years, and the reason why is because Libya will be aligning with the countries of Gog, Magog coming against Israel. This had to happen, but here we go. Despite uh, General Khalifa Haftar's year-long offensive to take the capital, which was recently defeated and ultimately pushed back, his LNA still controls most of the country's major oil fields. The Benghazi-based commander has for years secured all oil fields, especially in the eastern half of the country. Even as Libya's official National Oil Corporation is based in Tripoli, and operates under the aegis of the U.N.-backed government of National Accord. Haftar has long used this oil weapon by threatening to impose a total blockade on exports. Recall that in late January and into February of this year, he did just that, declaring a catastrophic blockade of oil fields, taking output down to almost zero to starve Tripoli and the NOC of vital state revenues, which has continued to now. With his dream of seizing Tripoli dashed, thanks in no small part to Turkey's providing significant military support to the GNA, the oil blockade appears to be in force more severely than ever, but this time reportedly with Russian help. Since last year, it's been widely reported that Russian mercenary firm the Kremlin-based Wagner Group is embedded with Prohoftor forces, But this latest development will certainly raise eyebrows in Europe and Washington. Most of Libya's main oil fields are under the control of the eastern-based Libyan National Army, which has fought alongside Russian mercenaries, according to the United Nations. This after the NOC tried to restart production at Sahara earlier this month following a pro tripoli forces pushing the LNA back from the outskirts of the capital, which witnessed fierce fighting for months oil stoppages military implications on the ground given the gna's national army relies on the country's oil revenue to purchase weapons via tripoli central bank it remains further that oil exports make up over 90 percent of libya's national revenue and again haftar has long held the majority of the nation's oil fields trump a year ago even personally thanked haftar for securing libya's oil amid a lawless war-torn situation since then, U.S. policy vis-a-vis Haftar has been confused and unclear, with moments of Washington coming close to expressing outright support, while it remains that U.S. officially and formally recognizes the Tripoli GNA under Prime Minister Fayez Mustafa al sarraj What that means is that the U.S. is officially supporting the GNA in Tripoli, but they're also lining and Patting on the back, Hoftaru is coming against the GNA with his LNA. The reason why the United States is doing that is because they want to have friends on both sides for whoever wins this battle. Okay? It doesn't matter. Russia's got their fingers in the pie, and that is going to get Washington upset about the matter, but they're not going to be able to do anything about it. And the Bible says that Libya will align with Russia. So there you go with that. But we're doing what we can with a mess that was created by our former president. And because of him, all of this is going on. Many lives have been lost. Economies have been crushed and the world will devolve further into chaos. From Town Hall, HBO Max bans five South Park episodes. All 23 seasons of South Park are now available for viewing on HBO Max, except for five episodes that were removed due to the depiction of a Muslim figure, meaning Muhammad, Super Best Friends from the 5th season, Cartoon Wars parts 1 and 2 from the 10th season, and 200 and 201 from the 14th season will not be available on HBO Max due to the portrayal of a character based on the Prophet Muhammad. But they can disgrace Jesus on there all they want all day long and nothing is done about it. There you go. Al Jazeera says Ethiopia to fill Nile Dam in July. This is going to get scary. We're going to see what happens even if no agreement is reached. Ethiopia has reiterated it will start filling the reservoir of a controversial dam on the Nile that has been at the center of a decade-long dispute in East Africa even without an agreement from Egypt and Sudan, by the way. The construction of the $4.6 billion Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam on the Blue Nile, which is more than 70% complete and promises to provide much-needed electricity to Ethiopia's 100 million people, has been a contentious point among the three Nile River Basin countries. We will go ahead with the filling of the dam next month, even if there's no agreement reached. Ethiopian foreign minister, I can't pronounce his name, told DPA News Agency, adding that Egypt's insistence on controlling the river flow was hampering proceedings. A decade of arduous talks involving the two downstream countries, Egypt and Sudan, and upstream Ethiopia have reached a deadlock, with Egypt turning to the UNSC last week. Egypt, which is almost entirely dependent on the Nile for its freshwater supplies, is anxious to secure a legally binding deal that would guarantee minimum flows and a mechanism for resolving disputes before the dam starts operating. In a letter to the Security Council, Sudan warned the lives of millions of people would be endangered if Ethiopia moved ahead with its plan before an agreement was reached. However, Ethiopia remains undeterred from starting to fill the 74 billion cubic meter reservoir when the rainy season begins in July, regardless of a deal being reached. Ethiopia says the project is indispensable for its development and insist downstream countries water supplies will be unaffected. The Egyptians want us to offer a lot, but they are not ready to offer us anything. They want to control everything. We are not discussing a water sharing agreement, said this guy that I can't pronounce. What's happening here is that we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, they're going to start filling this this month. This is the rainy season. If Egypt Insists that this cannot happen, which they may, there may be bombs dropped from Egypt on that dam because once that dam starts filling, they can do absolutely nothing forever and ever because all that water will rush down the Nile, it will hit the Aswan Dam, and it will destroy it, and then Egypt will cease to exist because the Aswan Dam will rush over and the entire flood uh, plain of the Nile, where all of the people of Egypt live, will be extinguished. So we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. I don't even want to speculate at this point, but that is one possibility is let's destroy this dam before it can be finished. We'll see if it happens. Mongolia from CAN. Mongolia's ruling party wins landslide parliamentary election. Woo-hoo! Mongolia's ruling party won a landslide election victory to retain an overwhelming majority in parliament, a reward from voters who approved of its handling of the coronavirus pandemic. They've had almost no cases in the entire country. The Mongolian People's Party now faces the task of keeping the economy afloat as businesses struggle under virus containment measures and closed borders. Despite its mineral wealth, the country's economy has been weak, The pandemic has not helped with cafes, restaurants, and pubs ailing as the government imposed early closing times as a part of coronavirus measures. Schools have been closed since January. Coal exports have fallen due to low demand and prices and border closures. They were down more than half to 6.2 million tons in the first five months of the year compared to the same period in 2019. So we'll see where that goes. Daniel 12 Technology from New Atlas. We've had some bio Inc articles in the past. We have a kind of interesting one today. New bio ink could be used to 3D print body parts. We've seen that before, but this one is inside the patient. Take an injector and inject the body part inside of them. Although we're hearing more about the prospect of 3D printed replacement body parts, I need a new brain, so maybe they can get that made pretty soon. Those parts need to be implanted via relatively large incisions. I don't want a big incision this way. I'll take one that way where nobody... Oh, wait, I'm bald. They'll see it there too. Never mind. Anyway, that may not always be the case. However, thanks to a new bio ink that could allow parts to be printed within the body. First of all, other types of bio-inks do already exist. We've talked about them. They're generally a liquid containing living cells, a framework material, and growth factors that prompt the cells to reproduce within that framework material, gradually changing it over to pure biological tissue. Such bio-inks are extruded from the nozzle of a 3D printer, building up body parts outside of the body, layer by layer. In many cases, they're cured into solid material via exposure to ultraviolet light. Unfortunately, though, UV rays would be harmful to the patient's own tissue if administered inside the body. So how do you make it firm? That's where the new ink comes in. It was developed through a collaboration between scientists from the California-based Terasaki Institute, Ohio State University, and Pennsylvania State University, The fluid is dispensed from the fine tip of a robotically controlled nozzle that is surgically inserted into the patient's body through a small incision. In order to hold each strand of the bio-ink in place, the nozzle punctures a small void in the patient's soft internal tissue, then deposits an anchoring blob of the fluid within that space. As the nozzle is subsequently withdrawn, it places another blob on the outside of that tissue, serving as an additional anchor. The rest of the strand is then drawn over to another anchoring point. So you got a little triangle in there. Importantly, the bio ink can be internally applied at normal body temperature and cured into a solid using a non UV visible light source. Although the substance may someday be used to build parts such as blood vessels or spinal discs, it is hoped that some of the more immediate uses may include the application of patches on damaged or defective organs or the creation of a hernia repair mesh. So that's very interesting. They're going in there and they're thinking of how to fix people without even going inside the body, except, you know, you get a little incision where you get a heart stint or something. That's what they're talking about there revelation plagues today israel info this is from russian if it doesn't make much sense the translation was done by the computer uk mortality rate from covid19 among muslims and jews is much higher than among christians and unbelievers yes i'm going to propose a theory as to why this is so mortality from covid19 in the muslim Jewish and other ethno religious communities of Great Britain is significantly higher than in the Christian community and among those who do not identify with any religion. In addition to Muslims and Jews, high mortality in comparison with Christians and unbelievers is also noted here it is among Hindus and Sikhs. So you've got Muslims, Christians, Hindus, and Sikhs. What is the common denominator? In Israel, in the first period of the pandemic, they also indicated higher morbidity and mortality in the ultra-religious environment. What is the common denominator? I would suggest to you that it is they do not eat enough bacon because all four of those do not eat bacon. And some Jews do. The ultra-Orthodox will never do it, but some Jews do. And so I would suggest that you all go to the store on the way home buy bacon and have a bacon sandwich and do that every meal for the next couple of months and you will be COVID free. Okay. Zero Hedge. Hey, listen, I didn't make that up. That's the article. I was thinking, why this? And that's the common denominator, bacon. Zero Hedge. Houston Hospital boss shatters media's COVID fear-mongering. Only about three or four more people in the ICU. The news, apparently, I don't watch CNN, et cetera, but they're saying how many people are in the ICU and Uh, The Houston hospitals—they're overflowing because of COVID, and it is not true. They actually had a uh, webinar with four doctors around Houston saying this is a complete lie. Only three or four more people in all of the ICUs in all of Houston. From Fox, extremely alarming swarm of locusts plagues Eastern Africa, Western Asia amid COVID-19 pandemic. So you got the Eastern Africa all the way through Western Asia has these terrible locusts. Mail online, now locust swarm heads towards Brazil as the country struggles to cope with spiraling coronavirus infections. So we have Brazil there. Swarms of locusts originated in, I can't pronounce it, Paraguay. My friend always gets mad at me when I pronounce it wrong. Paraguay, Paraguay, I don't know, whatever. And it's now moving through Paraguay, he says. Now he'll say you're wrong. He'll give me this this funny sounding thing and he'll say you keep saying it wrong whatever, Um, through Argentina, there are fears it could move into neighboring Uruguay, if I pronounce that right, and Brazil next. Okay, from DNUYZ, India's capital faces a swarmageddon of locusts, so we've got all of eastern Africa, we've got the belt all the way over to India, we've got Pakistan, all of it is locust infected. A miles-long cloud of locusts swarmed India's capital region over the weekend flying through metro stations and playgrounds, invading sugarcane fields and threatening major losses to the agricultural sector at a time when coronavirus restrictions have already caused the loss of millions of jobs. You can see how the world is getting primed for real bad times ahead. From Morality Today, I know I did this last week. I got some more to read you today. Mail Online, The Simpsons ditches having white actors play non-white characters. Well, actor who voices Cleveland on Family Guy steps down too. So you can't be white and do a black uh, portrayal anymore. From Town Hall, Hulu removes episode of the Golden Girls over blackface accusations. Mail online, Texas realtors will refer to master bedrooms as primary bedrooms in home sale listings because of the old terminology's references to slavery. I saw one on Facebook today that we're no longer allowed to have master cylinders in our cars and slave cylinders, and so, yes, so from now on out, you have to remove those from your engines. Uh, From the Times, Eaton, the college Eaton, pledges to decolonize its teaching after parents' appeal. From the epic Times, Princeton dropping Woodrow Wilson's name because of his racist thinking. So now it doesn't matter. If you have thought bad in the past, you can no longer be remembered by anybody. And I would suggest that that means that every human on this planet cannot be immortalized ever again because we have all had bad thoughts. Every single one of us. This is the stupidest thing in the world that's going on right now. It's just a destruction of heritage in order to form something far less wonderful anyway we'll go on um epic times mississippi governor i'm sure you all saw it signs bill removing state flag with confederate emblem from zero hedge duluth minnesota to delete chief from town titles you can no longer be a chief Mail online, canceling Duke. John Wayne Airport is targeted for a name change to Orange County Airport as California Democrats call out the film legends, racist, and homophobic statements, completely denied by his children, saying that he would have helped any black person any time. But it doesn't matter what you would have done. All that matters is what people think about you. From CNN. What's that? What people think about you after you're dead. After you're dead. That's exactly right you know, and I don't think very much of our previous president, and he's not even dead yet, so we cannot immortalize him at all. All right. From CNN, L'Oreal to remove words like whitening and fair from its products. You can no longer have whitening cream from L'Oreal. Yes. Our other category, Trinidad. I don't know if you all know this. But Trinidad is going through a lot of trouble right now. It's not making the news at all, but uh, our sister Ruth, who attends online, has been emailing me this week, and she says that the religion of peace down there is causing a lot of trouble. They're causing a lot of trouble. People are scared. There's all kinds of, you know, same thing, burning of stuff down there and, you know, uh, just terrible times. So keep Trinidad in prayer, please. Okay. Another item that I'd like to bring up is that there is the greater Idaho, which I've talked about before. It's getting close where they need to get signature. So if you are in Idaho or Oregon, especially in Oregon, they need to get people on these signature things so that they have enough of them to present to the government. Now, here's what it says. Folks need to hear about greater Idaho. It's not secession. It's an invitation to check it out and share with Facebook and Twitter, me, we, whoever. We have the blessings of the state of Jefferson's leader, Jefferson, um, Oregon. Okay. We need signatures. It's totally legal. We've got pro bono attorneys willing to make this happen. And they ask for prayer since people are losing everything in 18 counties. All right. So much better than Oregon. They want to move into greater Idaho out of Oregon, be under the authority of Idaho. So if you are living in that area, please sign these petitions or get people you know that live there to sign these petitions and it will move them into a conservative state and away from the nonsense of Oregon. There you go. From Forbes, China has a first strike capability to melt U.S. power grid with electromagnetic pulse weapon. Last week, the Department of Homeland Security issued a scary report on China's ability to conduct an electromagnetic pulse attack on the United States. The key takeaway, according to Dr. Peter Pry, executive director of the department's EMP task force, is that China has now super EMP weapons, and they know how to protect itself against an EMP attack, and it has developed protocols to conduct a first strike attack, even as they denied that they would ever do so. According to the Center for Strategic International Studies, China has the most active ballistic missile development program in the world, so this is doubly troubling. China used stolen U.S. technology to develop at least three types of high-tech weapons to attack the electric grid and key technologies that could surprise a Pearl Harbor attack that could produce a deadly blackout to the entire country. And they would do it And they will do it if they get the chance. I'm sure of it. Zero Hedge. Forbes censors award-winning environmentalists' apology over three-decade climate scare. Forbes. This guy came out and said the climate scare, he's a left-wing wacko. And he said, this is all untrue. And so here it is for you. Forbes has decided to unpublish an article by award-winning climate activist Michael Schellenberger in which he apologizes for the climate scare we created over the last 30 years. Schellenberger, a progressive, was named one of Time's Heroes of the Environment, while his book Breakthrough was heralded by Wired as potentially the best thing to happen to environmentalism since Rachel Carlson's Silent Spring. His book, Apocalypse Never, was widely praised as an eye-opening, fact-based approach to climate science and engaging and well-researched. Now that he's apologized for three decades of climate alarmism, Forbes has now blocked Schellenberger's article without explanation. Portions. These are portions of it that I am giving you. I'm not giving you the whole article. If you want to read the whole article, go to Zero Hedge. But portions of it are here. Here are some facts people know. Humans are not causing a sixth mass extinction. The Amazon is not the lungs of the world. You've heard that all along. I've said that. I've known it all along. The lungs of the world are the oceans of the world. The Amazon gives us about 0.002% of the oxygen of this planet. Okay. The oceans, 98.999 something percent or whatever. It's some huge amount. So that was untrue. I knew it, but now he's admitting that as well. He says, climate change is not making natural disasters worse fires have declined 25 percent around the world since 2003. The amount of land we use for meat, humankind's biggest use of land, has declined by an area nearly as large as Alaska. The buildup of wood fuel and more houses near forests, not climate change, explain why there are more and more dangerous fires in Australia and California. I reported on that myself a year ago. Carbon emissions are declining in most rich nations and have been declining in Britain, Germany, and France since the mid-1970s. Adapting to life below sea level made the Netherlands rich, not poor. We provide 25% more food than we need and food surpluses will continue to rise as the world gets hotter. Habitat loss and the direct killing of wild animals are bigger threats to species than climate change. Wood fuel is far worse for people and wildlife than fossil fuels. Preventing future pandemics requires more, not less, industrial agriculture. And so my formal apology for our fear-mongering comes in the form of my new book, Apocalypse Never, Why Environmental Alarmism Hurts Us All. It is based on two decades of research and three decades of environmental activism. At 400 pages with 100 of them end notes, apocalypse never covers climate change, deforestation, plastic waste, species extinction, industrial meat, nuclear energy, and renewables. Some highlights from the book, factories and modern farming are the keys to human liberation and environmental progress. The most important thing for saving the environment is producing more food, especially meat, on less land. The most important thing for reducing air pollution and carbon emissions is moving from wood to coal and petroleum to natural gas and uranium. 100% renewables would require increasing the land used for energy from today's 0.5% to 50%. We should want cities, farms, and power plants to have higher, not lower, power densities. Vegetarianism reduces one's emissions by less than 4%. Greenpeace didn't save the whales. Switching from whale oil to petroleum and palm oil did. Free-range beef would require 20 times more land and produce 300% more emissions. Greenpeace dogmatism worsened forest fragmentation of the Amazon. The colonialist approach to guerrilla conservation in the Congo produced a backlash that may have resulted in the killing of 250 elephants. So there you go. Zero Hedge, Ron Paul. The media is lying about the second wave. He must have been watching these updates for the past six months because he's coming out with this, but he got this right. For months, the Washington Post and the rest of the mainstream media kept a morbid COVID-19 death count. Remember that every day? That's all you ever saw on their front pages and at the top of their news broadcasts. The coronavirus outbreak was all about the number of dead. The narrative was intended to boost governors like Cuomo in New York and Whitmer in Michigan, who turned their states into authoritarian under the false notion that destroying people's jobs, freedom, and lives would somehow keep a virus from doing what viruses always do, spread through a population until eventually losing strength and dying out. The death count was always the headline. But then all of a sudden in early June, the mainstream media did a George Orwell and lectured us that it is all about cases and has always been all about cases. Death and especially infection fatality rate were irrelevant. Why? Because from the peak in April, deaths had decreased by 90% and were continuing to crash. That was not terrifying enough, so the media presented this good news did not exist. With massive increases in testing, the case numbers climbed. This is not rocket science. The more people you test, the more cases you discover. Unfortunately, our mainstream media is only interested in pushing the party line. So the good news that millions more have been exposed while the fatality rate continues to decline, meaning the virus is getting weaker, is buried under the hysterical false reporting of new cases. In Texas, the second wave propaganda has gotten so bad that the leaders of four major hospitals, which I mentioned a while ago, in Houston, took the extraordinary step late last week of holding a joint press conference to clarify that the scare stories of Houston hospitals being overwhelmed with COVID cases is simply untrue. In fact, there has been much reporting that the spike in Texas cases is not due to a resurgence of the virus, but to hospital practices of COVID testing every patient coming in for any procedure at all. From Zero Hedge COVID 19 hype is essential. In order to support the most important political objectives of the DNC writ large in the 2020 election, COVID-19 hype is essential. Without COVID-19 panic, Democrats cannot easily achieve mail-in voting, which they desperately need in key battleground states in order to control the outcome. Without COVID-19 panic, Democrats cannot shut down rallies and political campaigning efforts of President Trump, which they desperately need to do in key battleground states. Without COVID-19 panic, Democrats cannot block the campaign contrast between an energetic President Trump and a physically tenuous, mentally compromised challenger. Without COVID-19 panic, Democrats do not have an excuse for canceling the DNC convention in Milwaukee, thereby blocking Team Bernie Sanders from visible opposition while protecting candidate gibberish from himself. Now, having said that, You remember that it was the DNC convention back in the 60s that destroyed their chance at winning that particular election, okay? That would happen again this time, and they know it, so they do not want to have a convention. They need COVID-19. Before I go on, I'm going to stop right now and tell you that Kanye West has entered into the presidential race, okay? Good news for President Trump, because he will draw all the black Democrats off for himself, and none of the conservatives are going to change their votes unless they really like rap music. But other than that, this is good news. So hats off to him. We'll go on. Without COVID-19 panic, Democrats do not have a mechanism to keep voters isolated from each other, limiting communication and national debate adverse to their interests. COVID-19 panic pushes the national conversation into the digital space where big tech controls every element of the conversation. Without COVID-19 panic, Democrats cannot keep their blue state economies easily shut down and continue to block U.S. economic growth. All thriving economies are against the political interests of Democrats. Without COVID-19 panic, Democrats cannot easily keep club candidate Joe Biden sealed in the basement where the electorate is not exposed to visible signs of his dementia. Without COVID-19 panic, it becomes more difficult for big tech to censor voices that would outline the fraud and scheme. With COVID-19 panic, they have a better method and an excuse. Without COVID-19 panic, Democrats cannot advance, influence, or organize their preferred presidential debate format, a virtual presidential debate series. All of these and more strategic outcomes are based on the manufactured weaponization of the COVID-19 virus to achieve a larger political objective. There is this much, zero benefit to anyone other than Democrats for the overwhelming hype surrounding COVID-19. Newsweek, Florida doctor's urge GOP to postpone medically disrespectful convention. They're all liberals. Of course, it fits the program. From YT, Biden, I can hardly wait to compare my cognitive capability to the cognitive capability of Trump. Okay, I got a couple of Les Ricks here for you. This is both Les and his wife did one and I combined them into one. Mainstream media fills us with dread because we have even more sick than dead. It's not a surprise. There's less of demise. COVID weakens the more it spread. Don't believe the fake news aimed at you. If COVID news makes you feel blue, they're just out to scare, make elections unfair, cause a world leader needs to show through. Good job, guys. Okay, I've got a couple of ironies for you. Before I do that, I would like to tell you that Sergio and Rhoda have a new video out. I would hope that you would watch it. Watch it today. It is marvelous. If you ever want to know, John the Baptist did most of his baptizing where? It's right in the Bible. In the Jordan River. But he did it somewhere else as well. And nobody knew where that place was. And they have discovered where it was. It's a place called Enon near Salim. Okay? Or if you're Sergio and you pronounce it wrong, it's Enon near Shalem. Or what? I'm sorry. He said Salem. Yeah, Shalem is the Hebrew. Anyway, it's a very interesting video. I always pick on Sergio about his pronunciations because he is Russian, moved to Israel, speaks Hebrew, speaks English, and so is. Uh, wording is always funny and I'm always picking on him. Please watch that video. You will love it. Okay, couple ironies and we'll be done. Superior Word News. Audio emerges of Jimmy Kimmel, who falsely claimed Trump used the N-word using the N-word. N-word. That's right. Jimmy Kimmel, the hypocrite. Okay, and from Breitbart, Amazon censors killing free speech documentary about censorship. Yes. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word without any face masks on, and that is your (laughs) Prophecy Update of the Week.